Sniffle wiffle. Sniffy sniffy. Sniff sniff kaboo. <laughs> I see you. <laughs> Welcome to Overdue, I guess. Um, so, Andrew, this week we claimed that we were going to talk about how not to write a novel. But right. we're not doing that this week. What are we Instead doing? Instead we read a book called How Not to Record a Podcast. <laughs> we did not read that book. We wrote that book. Um, okay, now. yeah, so due to a series of calamities, I guess you call them, Sure, um, we're, we're going to put that one off for another week and record it next week, but it's been a big week for the show, so we wanted to record a little bit of intro stuff for you guys to tell you all about it. Is Craig, that, what are we talking oh about? Oh my God. <laughs> we well, keep passing it back and forth. <laughs> uh, it's been a huge week for us, thanks to our wonderful Patreon supporters, we reached our Patreon goal of $150 a month, which is mind-boggling, and I can't believe it. Uh, those things mean the same thing. Don't worry. And uh, I can't believe how mind-boggling it is. Oh, man, you won't believe it's not mind-boggling. And I'm sniffling the results this will blow your mind. Open. <laughs> so five cool ways to mind-boggle your mind. Um, <laughs> so that means that we're going to start doing bonus episodes. Uh, we don't have a set schedule for them yet. We might settle into one. But we didn't really have a plan except like knowing that there were types of books and stories that we wanted to read for the show that might fit into a bonus episode format or other guests that we wanted to have on the show that we might be a little more diligent in bothering. Uh, yeah. Knowing so the, that we I guess have the, to please you. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the format, it's, it's probably going to stick pretty close to the regular episodes. Yeah. Like we're probably just going to read some book and talk about it. But um, we might we might play around a little bit with um, with the regular format and see what happens. Like I think we'll be more apt to read uh, choose your own adventure books some more for bonus episodes. Um, we've talked about maybe having some people from like the publishing world on and just like talking to them and maybe doing some episodes that that range a little bit farther from the the regular mission statement. So we'll see. Um, the next one that we're gonna do for this month is going to be pretty normal. Um, last year we read a couple of Dr. Seuss books for Children's Book Week. Yes, that's correct. Right? And um, this year we're going we're gonna to revisit the idea. Um, I'm going to read The Borrowers, I think, and Craig is going to read something else. Yeah, probably Mr. Popper's Penguins. I wanted to read Mrs. Piggle Wiggle, and I want you, if you know the Mrs. Piggle Wiggle books, I want to get emails from you. That's overduepod at gmail.com. <laughs> Uh, speaking of emails, we got a ton of awesome emails in the past week or so from new listeners, uh, many in reaction to the young adult uh, fiction conversation we had last week. We'll probably answer a bunch of those on next week's show. So if you had any opinions about that discussion or the fact that I said why anus, uh, you can write that in. I said that. I thought I said that. It was definitely me. <laughs> Maybe it's good that we're not recording a new episode. If you week. listened to an alternate version of the show where I said that, uh, please write in to confirm that it happened so that I don't go crazy. Uh, but in the meantime, this week, we are giving you an episode from the vault, the recent vault that we built and put some episode in case Sound of emergency episode some sound waves into the vault and yeah. shut the door so there's echoing around in there and now they've escaped uh our good buddy jocko uh who you may remember from our stand episode some like 70 episodes like a ago million I think. episodes ago yeah I uh think. joined us to talk about sabriel uh which is a book by garth nix it's a fantasy novel from the 90s and it was a good discussion and we kind of saved it for just such an occasion, so we figured we should introduce it so it's not just, like, people talking to you from the past. Yeah, and I don't know, like, what time-sensitive things we may or may not have mentioned in that episode, but if, if we do mention anything, it happened, like, two months ago. Yeah, if you were expecting <laughs> so know that. anyone to make cool, like, Avengers jokes or, like, know about all the new Star Wars stuff or something else nerdy, then... I mean, something else nerdy probably happened on that episode, but not. This podcast brought to you stuff. by the Avengers 2 Age of Ultron in theaters now. Right now? For, and probably for a while. <laughs> for a long time. So, <laughs> so everybody, go get your Ultron on and then listen to this episode 
And then we'll be back next week, back to our regular scheduled program, I guess. Thanks. <laughs> While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. So sweet weather, Goofs. How about that weather? It's really sweet. It's sometimes it's so much colder than it should be or warmer. Yeah. I didn't know what outfit to wear today. The hot one or the cold one. It was unseasonable outside today. Sure was. It was unseasonably warm or cold. It's all thanks to that global changing of the weather. Yeah, Yeah. right? Climate, climate something. Climate change. It is. What? Yeah, it is a balmy, chilly night tonight. (laughs) We're killing it. What if that was was the cliche instead of it's a dark and stormy night? (laughs) It was a balmy. It was was like a regular night. Does that set the atmosphere? Like It was a a temperate, it was a calm and temperate night. It was a balmy, sticky night. That's what I'm into. (laughs) Welcome to Overdue. This is a podcast about the books that you have been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. And I'm Jocko. Hey, Jocko's here. Uh, You may remember Jocko from our podcast about The Stand, right? That was what it was? That's what it was. It was episode episode Mm 30-something? That's what it was called. We have Jocko on like once every year and a half or so. (laughs) That's about all I would expect anyone to take of me. So that's fine. That's great. <laughs> what is so yeah, the long Oh, go ahead. What go is ahead. the biggest thing that has changed for you, Jocko, since we recorded last? If folks were like, "Oh man, I love that guy Jocko and I wish I had got to know him better." What is the one thing that you would want them to know about you? I moved from Bedsty, Brooklyn to Crown Heights, Brooklyn. Oh my goodness! Gracious. Not very different. So. No, I um, <laughs> I quit my day job to write full time. That was the big difference. So that was cool. Where? Wait, yeah, and so you're writing on Vice. Where else are you writing? Yeah, Vice. Shameless um, plugs for a couple of different channels. Like Con TV uh, is a um, new channel that came out for people who are into um, like. I don't know, anime and action movies and cartoons and stuff. So, okay, because I, I was going to say Con TV sounds like Con Air. The prison channel. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> Seven For ways convicts. to comb your prison hair. Speaking, speaking about convict issues to convicts. Yeah. Buy convicts for convicts. You won't believe these crazy shivs. This this guy hugged a guard, and you won't believe what happens next. One weird trick to conserve toilet paper. Prison guards hate him. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So yeah. Um. (laughs) Last time, last time Jocko was on the show, I feel like we had not found our rhythm quite yet. Like I, I don't think we were talking about. Authors, we were we were we were doing less education and more like oh, I guess we're talking about a book this week. Right. Andrew, you you so, say that as if that's not what's been happening for the past five minutes. No, our <laughs> yeah, our our show is mostly educational. Now I'm like we're the Bill Nye the Science Guy collectively of books. Okay, <laughs> okay. So Jocko, like what what tell us about the kind of books that you like? Like people people know what Craig and I are about because they listen to us drone on for 50 to 60 minutes every week. What do you like to read and and why? And like, how often do you read when you're not guesting on your friend's podcast? Um, I read uh, pretty regularly. Um, And I really like to read uh, right now. I'm on a real young adult uh, and like middle grade fiction kick uh, because I'm working on a book 
uh, that is targeted toward those audiences, sort of right between. Um, so right now, I'm really, it's like I'm in research mode. Uh, but research mode means I get to read 120-page books about kids who found something weird in the sewer. Or <laughs> something like that, you know? So, um, so it's pretty great. Uh, but other than that, I like pop culture-y stuff. Like, I like the big, like, fantasy books. And, and not big fantasy books. Uh, I like, like, clever fantasy books. And uh, I think I'd mentioned in the last podcast my love of Michael Crichton. It hasn't changed. I'm still, yeah, real big fan. <laughs> okay. Like, sole proponent at this point, I would say. So Okay. You're the only Michael Crichton fan on I'll Earth. I'll make that claim here. Which feels podcast. like the plot for a Michael Crichton book. <laughs> In a world where Michael Crichton was put down for his beliefs. <laughs> Wait, he was put down? Yeah. Like they dragged him out back and they're like, Michael Crichton, it's, uh, it's been a good run. In this, in this book, Michael Crichton's a dog. Yeah. <laughs> we've already got Dean Koontz. We've already got Stephen King. Michael Crichton, we just don't we need, don't you, need anymore. you anymore. You're redundant. <laughs> You're double plus bad. Goodbye. Goodbye, Wait, Michael, Michael Crichton died. This might not be nice. <laughs> it's okay. It might not be. <laughs> it depends on the dystopia, I guess. So, yeah. so fantasy. Let's let's set, let's make a smooth segue. The fantasy has yeah. to do with the book that you read for this week. Wait, did you say smooth segue? That's smooth. That so smooth. That's like Paul Blart segue smooth. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. So what? We've gone a hundred, like a hundred and something episodes without mentioning Paul Blart, and now it's ruined forever. Great. Ruined, or you finally hit your stride? After you mention Paul Blart in one episode, you have to mention him in every episode. In every. It's like the, it's ring. the ring. It's the Blart. Well, have you ever, when you go into a bathroom, you turn the lights out and you say Paul Blart three times in the mirror and he appears? No, I would never do that. <laughs> I thought that was happening once when I was in a bathroom. It was just someone like farting. It, it was actually like it was Kevin James Blart. was in there. He's <laughs> just him farting. It sounds <laughs> like it says Paul Blart. Uh, so, Jocko, what book did you read that was not oh, a sewer okay. kid book? What did you read for well, this for this business. week's episode? So I and read. Who's it by? Um, I read the 1995 young adult fantasy fiction novel Sabriel. By Garth Nix. Um, That's a great name. Written, that is a great name. Yeah, Garth Nix is Australian. It was printed in '95 in Australia, uh, and then made it over to the states in '96. Um, is that is that his real name? Garth Nix. Yeah, I read uh, an interview with him uh, where he said that you know he's often questioned uh, about if that's his real name because it sounds great for a fantasy writer. And he said, no, that's just my name. Like, he seems very workaday, <laughs> this Mr. Nix. Garth Nix, he sounds like a country music star, but, like, from Middle Earth. Like, that's, yeah. the, that's the vibe that his name has. I would listen. I would listen to that. That sounds... She perfect. thinks my griff and sexy. <laughs> okay. My habit left me, you guys. <laughs> These are songs about the real Middle Earth, Andrew. You can't. <laughs> Come on now. Middle Middle Earth. Middle Middle Earth. These, these elves are all disappearing into the West. We all know, we know what we think about this them. Is a, this, yeah, this Ugh. is like lower Middle Earth. <laughs> so, yeah, there's there's not... I was reading about uh, Garth Nix, and there's not a lot about him, except that he, um, he has done some IT writing... Right, which which I guess is a thing that I do. So maybe I've read some Garth Nix. I don't even know. Um, he's been a literary agent. He's just, he's kind of a guy who fell into to writing, and now he's a writer. Right, that was my impression. And he's got some other series as well. This has spawned its own sort of small series of books. I believe a new one's coming out soon. Um, that, that's the Old Kingdom series. The right? Old Kingdom series. That's what this is. Yeah. Um, as have we heard of any of his other books? Like, are are they notable? Um, in a like outside of the young adult, no, fantasy no, it's all shelf? firmly in the young adult. One's called like the Seventh Kingdom series, which I haven't read. Uh, this is the first thing of his I've ever read. Um, okay, <clears throat> okay, 
Yeah. And I think it's actually worth mentioning sort of how I came across this book. Um, Please. We, I had gone to my, I've never heard of it. This was not an experience in my childhood. Um, I'd never seen it on shelves. Uh, and I would have read it. The cover's really cool uh, for this version of the book. And um, I definitely would have been drawn to it. Uh, but I was at my girlfriend's uh, parents' home. So we were visiting her parents over the holidays. Um, and it was sitting on the shelf. Um, and I picked it up, started leafing through it. And her immediate reaction was, oh my God, Sabriel, did you love that too? Uh, and I'd never read it before. And I told her and everything stopped. Like the record skipped. We sat down and I just had to, she made me start reading it. So it's, uh, and I fell in love actually, you know, spoiler. It's pretty good. Yeah. I, I feel like. I mean, there are some touchstones. Like, I think Narnia stuff and um, Lord of the Rings stuff is is relatively universal. Like, I th- I think that most people, or at least like most most people with nerdish leanings, have been exposed to that stuff. But then you get out to the second tier where stuff is universal, but not like you're you're talking about um, like the Redwall books, right? And um, the uh, like the Book of Three and the Black Cauldron, like those books by Lloyd Alexander, like there there are fantasy series that some kids got into, but there you can't just like drop a reference to to it like you can to Tolkien or or to um, C.S. Lewis and have it like understood by by most people, you know. Right. And then so from here, as I'm reading this, uh, we brought it back with us to Brooklyn. Um, and Blair told, uh, my girlfriend Blair told all of her friends about it, that we'd found it again and we're reading it. Uh, and one by one, all of her friends, um, remembered the book, remembered reading it and having such a great experience and it spawned its own book club. Uh, so now there's a, they're doing a, a womanist YA book club where they read female centric, um, young adult fiction, uh, cool. from their childhood. And it's, uh. Yeah, it's been amazing so far. So we like had a book club meeting for Sabriel a couple of weeks ago, and and it was really really interesting, really good conversation. And the next book we're reading is another young adult fiction that like stars a young girl. So hmm. yeah, that's what I was going to use as a springboard into this conversation. Is um, a lot of those fantasy series do have a male protagonist, just because that's that's the default, I guess, a lot of the time. Right. But this one, this one is it goes against that grain like conscientiously. So, so talk about, I mean, I guess before we get into like plot synopsis stuff and like what happens in this book, but how does having a female protagonist like change it relative to some of those more um, man centric fantasy novels? Right. Uh, It's, it's really interesting. Yeah. Not to dive into the plot too much to begin with, um, but it definitely puts her, she's not just a, a woman. She's also, she's a young woman. Um, just coming into her sort of adulthood, basically just graduating high school. Um, And she doesn't really know. Like fantasy wizard high school, Uh, No, (laughs) actually, not really, surprisingly. It's kind of normal high school, and she's allowed to take like a few extracurricular magic classes in it. Oh, okay. Um, So she minored in magic. She minored in magic. Is there like a magic Votech school that she like spends <laughs> half her day at instead? Yeah, exactly. She takes that. Uh, she takes a bus and yeah, and goes to Votech school. It's by like Andrew, the was that your plant. experience? Because that was I went to high school with Jocko, and that was the Votech experience. It was like a you would like leave. you learned magic. Yeah, that was it. Because <laughs> I didn't. That was not my. That was not what we did. We took a tour of the Votech school one day. They're like, you could learn to cook, or you can wire light bulbs, or you can turn this. Or you're a wizard, a, Harry. You're a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no there there was definitely there was a vocational school we had um oh man what is the the name of the the kids who do like farm stuff it's like ag something like ag sci or yeah something, mm-hmm. something like that i know there's an agricultural um, science school here in philly so I, that's yeah. what i'm basing it on i don't know yeah so some of those, those some of those kids got to do special stuff where they learn how to fix cars or, or work wait or whatever but no wait. we did not that's not agriculture not, andrew that's cars no, I'm just i was talking about i was talking about vocational stuff okay <laughs> i'm just i'm just saying nobody learned magic right in ohio so maybe that's like an ohio pennsylvania thing i don't know it's just a cultural difference so many wizards in Oklahoma. So many. 
Wait, um, so what year is this that she's going to this fantasy high school? Uh, so there, where she goes to the school, it's it feels like World War One, England, uh, but not set in the real world. No, it's set in a place called Anclestier. I don't know how to pronounce it actually. Um, and Celstier, it looks like. Um, sure. And uh, it's modeled after sort of a, a, a British uh, nineteen early nineteen hundreds. Uh, she makes a mention toward the end of the book of uh, um, tanks being new. Okay. So I okay. put that around, you know. Yeah. So yeah. that's like nineteen twenty yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, we were we were talking about whether or not you know she's a normal girl going to high school, learning right. magic in her free time or right. in elective classes. Exactly. Um, and so getting back to how it's different with a female protagonist, um, she's very much on a, she's very much on a quest, but she's also very questing. Um, and she is very much out of her element, uh, in this story. And instead of just sort of bashing ahead, uh, she's, she takes a lot of time. The author takes a lot of time and has her really, um, he really sort of paints a picture of a girl who's kind of just learning how to grow up, which is really interesting. Uh, Mm -hmm. But specifically in relation to her, you know, what is it like with a female protagonist? A note that came up in this book club full of, full of ladies that I'm a part of uh, is that, um, (laughs) is that uh, seems like a sweet deal. Actually, like that you get to be privy to that. That's kind of, it's, it's really nice. It's really nice to be involved. Definitely. Um, is that they were all struck with the feeling that this, even though this is a great, interesting, fun female character, it feels like a female character written by a man. Interesting. Okay. Why, why is that? Um, like, do, do you have a couple of easy things you can say before we get into what, you know, the, the straightforward, what happens stuff? Yeah. Uh, I think that part of the reason is that, um, she is very stoic. So she mm. is like this blank slate. The events that happen, she has some emotion and she thinks about it. Um, and it's not that she's like emotionless um, or written as emotionally stunted in any way. Um, but she's just, it's like, it, it feels a little bit like the author was like, I don't know what women think. So I'm not going to add that to this story that much. Yeah, because that that's interesting. Because I think I think women have a lot of um, coming of age kind of stuff that's that's unique to them. Mm-hmm. But by you know by the same token, um, I you know I think I think that that female characters are coming up a lot just in the conversation now because especially in like the the realm of video gaming, like there there there's a lot more conversation around like you know, feminist critique and and that kind of stuff going on now. And it it just, it draws attention to that kind of thing. And some of the advice that I've seen for writing female characters is just like, just write people first. Right. And worry about them being women second. So so I wonder if that's, if that's just what Garth Nix was doing was, you know, he's, he's writing the character he would have written, but she happens to be a woman. And that actually, if that, if that was his intent, that's actually kind of great. Right. Yeah, it's really interesting. And there are some moments. Um, she does end up coming across uh, uh, some help along the way. Um, and they are both male characters. Uh, but the nice thing is that throughout much of the book, um, she is leading the way, even if she has to ask for help. Um, I, I've read some stuff uh, where the female character, even if she's the lead, she leans on her support cast. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. and that's not the case here. She has no idea what's going on, but that's not going to stop her from kind of like bullheadedly rushing ahead into greater and greater danger. <laughs> Good. <laughs> which is okay. great. You know, which is, you know, I think a very natural, uh, or it feels like a very naturalistic, just, uh, description of a character. Yeah. Uh, so Jocko, as we go into kind of maybe not full on plops, not plot synopsis, but I think with fantasy books in particular the setting and like the rules of the world generally inform like they inform some of the thematic elements or kind of respond to it and you said earlier that it was about her just kind of growing up right because she is in high school that seems like it's 
kind of ripe with that stuff. What is this world of uh, a, a, Edelweiss? What is it called? Ans- and how does it? <laughs> okay. Uh, and how does that kind of reflect what the book's about? I guess. Uh, so that really ties ties. Uh, that's the core of the whole book. The um, there's a wall. Uh, there's a very large wall uh, built just north of the school that she goes to, about a, a few hours north. Um, and that separates uh, Ancelstier from the Old Kingdom. Um, and the Old Kingdom is uh, more wild. There's more magic involved. Um, and as you get further and further south in Ancelstier, um, they stop even believing that the Old Kingdom exists. Uh, and that it's even mm-hmm. a part of the world. And if it is, there's certainly no magic. Um, so if she were to go to a prep school further south, she wouldn't even have the opportunity <laughs> to to take to learn magic. So the thing she can get an associate's in wizarding at her current right. school, but if she's going to get a bachelor's degree, she'd have to go up into the old. Kingdom. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. okay. And for a master, she has to go all the way. Yeah. And there's no tuition okay. assistance on the other side of the wall. No, either. it is. It yeah. is. All private. Well, it's a thing where I think residents get get some tuition, but people who are from out, out of state, state yeah. have to pay their own way. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but to talk a little bit, you know, that's so that's the general setting. Um, but okay. it's really informed by the the world, of the magic that's at use here in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, there is uh, free magic, which is kind of just like wild magic, um, and it's dangerous. It's very chaotic. Um, there's necromancy, which is sort of the big problem of your sort of classic raising the dead. And then there's, um, charter magic, which is the good magic, which is uh, controlled magic that's designed by making these little marks either with your hands or it's just a very controlled sort of a way to take magic and, and put it to good use. So there are all these little charms. She knows like thousands of little charms. Uh, and spells to make something fly or to give something thought for a moment that shouldn't have thought. Uh, little like things a book like that. or like a banana or something? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Don't you hate it when bananas try to think? I hate it. God. so funny. <laughs> They're always like, oh. They're so dumb. I'm a ban- Oh, man. I tried to think of like a peeling pun. I couldn't. And mm. I just... Thanks, everyone, for listening to that. That's yeah. good. No, good. Good job. Thanks. Don't you hate Thanks it when I have thought? <laughs> yeah, we should not have used the charter spell on you. That was a mistake. <laughs> so is this like, can anyone use magic? Do we have muggles? Are people made of magic? Like, what? how does that work? They're not super clear on that, but I get the sense that um, not there's not magic in everyone. Only some people have magic. Um, which is really funny to say. <laughs> yeah, I Only felt really insulted when you said that earlier. <laughs> There's not magic in everyone. God, <laughs> this isn't just a buffet. Um, there are some she has like some students who are charter mages or familiar mm-hmm. with charter magic um, that end up helping her later on in the story. Um, so you get the sense that some students have magic, um, but not everyone. But in particular, she's a very, very special character. She's the only one of, of her, or in her bloodline. Um, she is what's called an Abhorsen. Okay. Uh, her father was an Abhorsen, uh, and that is a necromancer, but a good necromancer. So their job is specifically to put the dead back into death. Um, okay. So a reverse of a reverse a reverse necromancer. necromancer, a Ghostbuster, if you will. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's the final. Uh, that's the final setting, I would say, or set piece that's that's interesting, or most interesting, uh, in this book is the um, the is death. Uh, as a as a Abhorsen, she can step into death, uh, and there are uh, seven gates of death, and death is um, a river. That takes, when you die, your soul sort of like gets, it's not like on a boat, like your soul gets tumbled down this river uh, past the gates. And the more gates that you pass, uh, the harder it is for you to come back to life 
from death. Um, and so uh, the story opens with Sabriel, uh, after the prologue, it opens with Sabriel at school, uh, traveling near the first gate um, in this water, it's like water up to her knees, uh, to retrieve the soul of a, a dead bunny. Her friend's rabbit had died, and so she went into death and, and brought it back to life. Okay, how does she get there? Uh, that's just a magic that she can do. She can go into this trance uh, and step into death. Okay. And it's cool because when she comes back out, um, physically there is like frost on her body. Okay, so but she, did she in, disappear or did no, she... No, she just sort of like okay. is staring blankly ahead uh, in, the, in the physical world. And when she comes back, she's like covered in frost. Um, I think I've seen a lot of people on the street who must have... They are going into death. Yeah. Going into death. <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> Andrew. You're not in. Do you have you never seen that before? No, I mean, well, I wasn't. Gonna, <laughs> I was gonna make. I wasn't gonna make jokes about people who live on the street. I don't know. No, maybe I'm just, just talking about people. My sense of humor. I'm just talking about people who just stare at you like they're in another dimension. That's all. Not particularly. I guess on ragged. the train, people people must have just come from death. Well, it's a better place to go than being stuck on the train. It's true. Yeah. Man, there is there are not a lot of buskers on the PATH train, which is the train from Jersey City into New York. But the other night, of course, we hop on the one car that has a guy who starts playing Wonderwall. <laughs> and I'm embarrassed to admit that I know this much about Wonderwall, but he just sang the first verse twice instead oh. of knowing all the words. So I I wanted to to die if that if that like thematically brings us back. It around. does, yeah. <laughs> okay. So there's a busker on the river death and okay. Sabriel. Um, no, uh, the plot really gets kickstarted with uh, Sabriel's at school. Um, she's nearing the end of her time there, and uh, this like creature uh, arrives at the school. And it scares all the girls, and she like does some magic to to try to save them and get away from it. And it turns out that it's a messenger from her father, um, who is trapped in death. He's trapped somewhere in the river. Um, before moving on, once you pass the seventh gate, you go to I don't know heaven or whatever. Um, it's never brought up. Doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> Because everyone, because nobody wants to go past that seventh gate. They all, all these evil spirits want to come back. Um, he's trapped. Oh, that's why they come back? They're like, I don't want to go to they're there? They're like not ready to be dead yet. Yeah. Okay. Um, so he has sent a messenger to deliver from death uh, to deliver his sword to her and uh, his, and this is the most important part, his uh, bandolier of bells. Um, and that is sort of the, the key to the magic in this book, uh, is all of the bells. Um, there are, let me see, there are a lot of different bells. Um, these are like literal bells, literal bells. Yeah. Um, and they are named Rana, Mosrael, Kibbeth, Dairim, Belgare, Sereneth, Astriel, the Sorrowful. Um, and these bells all do something different. So one bell is called the walker and it will make an undead creature walk in a certain direction or walk toward death. Um, one bell, everyone who hears it, if you ring it, uh, all those souls immediately go, they, everyone dies. What? Yeah. <laughs> so that's sort of like the, that's that the big like a one bell that you to drop. give very many people. Yeah. That's the bomb you drop. Um, but they're all kept in this in their little holders on her bandolier, um, and they all have personalities. Like, they don't speak, but when she'll bring out a bell, like one will be like very lazy, and one will be like I'm a lazy bell. I'm a lazy bell, <laughs> and one will be like 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 almost trying to ring itself, like it wants to be rung. Um, and so that's like a key to her magic and how she uh, deals with and combats the dead. And she has those because she's an abhorsen? Her These were her father's bells, and there can only be one abhorsen at a time, um, but it's it's always in a bloodline. Um, and so 
they've been passed on to her. Um, and that really upsets her because that means that uh, her dad is dead or dying or oh, trapped okay. in death. So that okay. sort of kickstarts the whole adventure um, and sends her north. Uh-oh. Yeah. Um, from there, uh, there's a lot of great sort of traveling. Uh, he does traveling really, really well in this story um, because it they it feels like he packs really good. He packs information, and the mood is very – it's very moody. Um but there's something sort of innocent about it because it's written for young adults that mm. it, it just feels nice to read. I don't know if you, if you all have read a lot of uh, young fiction for the podcast. Um, some. Some, yeah. I know that like for the holidays you did. Um, and it just feels like the, the ability to forgive info dumping um, uh, yeah. is a lot higher mm-hmm. in this. Um, and so there's this great scene where she's traveling, she's got her bells. Um, and there are these charter stones, which are sort of like way markers for charter magicians to make their way through the North. Um, at one point they're described as almost like lighthouses, but like spiritual lighthouses. You can see them from, from, from far away and they help you get to where you're going. So she comes across one that's been broken, uh, which is very, very dark magic. Um, and it's been broken by human sacrifice. And there's this, yeah. this undead creature that is waiting to, tra- to attack her um, or attack anyone who comes to investigate. Uh, and she uses her bells. She uses the, the, a bell to put it to sleep and then a bell to make it walk uh, through death or toward death. Um, so that's the first time we really see her like, use her tools uh, and, and it really kickstarts the adventure. Um, and from there, there's a lot of danger. There's this really intense scene where she's being chased by, uh, uh, and a dead soul. Um, Mm -hmm. and the dead in this are really described, uh, ambiguously. So they're like shadows or shapes. Uh, they don't really take, um, too strong of a physical form. Uh, and they like possess things and whatever, sort of, um, there's a scene later on in the book where they think that one of these uh, evil creatures is among this small town that's huddled in, a, in like a fishing house uh, because they've been attacked. Um, and Sabriel realizes that one of the, one of the townspeople uh, has a big like coat over his back and there's a hump on his back. And that is one of these creatures that's been just slowly leeching the man uh, yeah. from behind. Oh. Uh, yeah. Is there like a is there like a big bad? Is there There is a big bad. The big bad we learn later on is a man is a creature named Caragor who was It's a good name. Yeah, it's a great name. Uh he was a free magic like very very powerful free magic magician um who when he died refused to go into death. So uh in kind of a proto Harry Potter way um he, Proto Voldemort, he uh, hid his body um, and is existing as the shadow creature while his like mummified dead body is safe. And like as long as his body is safe, then he won't, he can't be harmed. Hmm. Death, that seems really loosey goosey <laughs> in this, in this universe. Yeah. Like you could just decide that you don't want to die. Or like people can come and save you from being dead. Like it just, it, death sounds really impermanent in a way that <laughs> that I think robs it of some of its meaning. It's maybe. actually I don't, I don't know if that's a vibe that you got. From- I had the the uh, the opposite feeling about death in this book actually because uh, death. Um, uh, most of the book, Sabriel is going into death. She's pushing creatures into death and pulling things out of death and the whole goal is to uh save her father from death um and when she does save her father um she realizes that she can only do it for a very short amount of time and then he'll be dead for good like and then he's going to go past the seventh gate um and when that moment happens because they've been playing around with death so much before this and sort of flirting with death and resurrection um 
actual death feels it felt really devastating it was very it was it was heightened actually um because it almost feels like but no we we learned that that it's okay to die you'll come right back uh and so so when somebody finally does die for real it, it still feels it's, it's devastating impactful. yeah it's impactful yeah, okay. for sure did it feel like that was uh a, a rule set contrivance in a way that he had to die the for real death you know what i mean like in a yeah in a magic... it did it did okay. in a way because there's like a quote that gets repeated about like does the walker choose the path or the path choose the walker no all must die you know like <laughs> okay what <laughs> okay um what is what the heck does that mean i don't like you can't when your time's up your time's up <laughs> That's, and that's that that's should a, have been the motto. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah we're yeah. And that's the general conceit of this book as well, or the core value of it is that you can't control death. That if you're going to die, you're going to die, and you shouldn't try to mess around with it. And um, that's the abhorsen's job is to make sure that people don't mess around with it. Um, okay. So is this is this something that people are born into or is it more like uh the Santa Claus situation where the old abhorsen dies and then the new one just finds all the stuff happening to to him or her that they they have, then have to deal with. Are you talking the Santa you know, Claus? The, I'm talking the 1995 <laughs> Tim Allen movie the Santa Claus. Oh, it came Claus, out the same yes. year as this movie, so that make or as this book. So yeah, that Obviously there's some creative It was a tie-in. It was going a tie-in. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the Zeitgeist for sure. Um no, you said it was, it was a, a bloodline, her, but but not a direct lineage thing, right? No, like they talk about how one of her aunts could have was an abhorsen in the past, um, and it sort of hops around. But the last one in this bloodline is Sabriel. Okay. So, um, and we learn later, you know, she's very bitter that she never grew up in the old kingdom because she has to ad- like adventure and journey all through the old kingdom, and she doesn't know anything about it, and she keeps feeling very upset um, that she's the like least prepared abhorsen there ever was. How could her father do this to her, you know, keeping her in the dark when she would have to take up his mantle. Um, and you realize as the story goes on and she realizes that it's really about, um, he was a trying to keep her safe, but B it was the, the times were changing and they needed an abhorsen who knows about the South as well as the North. So. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then you run and you see that kind of stranger in a strange land trope repeated a lot. You know, like it's the direct analog is Harry Potter. Right. There's, uh, you know, like even Buffy is is maybe not a bad example, um, given the protagonist of this book and and the kind of like, hey, you're special and we need you to be special. And you're like, I don't know anything about that. What do you mean? Right. And one thing I will say about this is uh, that. He doesn't really fully commit to that idea. Like, she is a stranger in a strange land. She does complain a lot about not knowing um, what she's doing there, but she knows how to work the bells. Like, Hmm. that's knowledge that she knew beforehand. She knows a lot of charter magic, like how to cast a lot of spells. Um, She doesn't do a lot of learning on this journey. Interesting. She knows things, and... Hmm. She develops her skill. She further develops skills that she already has. Hmm. It's kind of odd for like a coming of age right. story is for, for the person not to undergo some vital transformation during the way. And, if, and of course this is, and, and this is something we might um, close the conversation with in a bit is like, this is the first book in a series. Right. And so, you know, maybe that happens later and we just don't see it in this book. Like maybe this standalone book's about something else. But yeah, usually usually it feels like these fantasy novels, which are about saving the world or whatever, are also about that person's personal journey, and that's what gets you invested in like what's going on a lot of the time. Right. Um, and she does go on a journey. Uh, it's uh, Her attitude definitely changes, uh, but her core skill set, I would say, doesn't really change. Um, okay. Uh it is worth mentioning her two companions, um, yeah, and that was something that this that that I'd read, you know, while reading, doing a little research about the book. That that this sort of 
flew in the face of, of a lot of fantasy, the idea of a band of adventurers. Um, she only has two helpers throughout the whole book. Um, and that's sort of decidedly a low number of, you know, if you think of yeah, the Hobbit, yeah. you know, or Lord of the Rings. Yeah, if, um, if, if the baseline is not right, then exactly. yes, this is very small. And, um, she has, uh, they come across uh, a bunch of ships that are sort of stranded in the middle of this big crater um, on dry land. And there's a, um, a wood carved man uh, at the bow, at the front of one of these ships. And she can feel his soul very faintly in death. And she brings him out of it and finds that it is um, this person who goes by the name Touchstone, um, who comes out of his form of a wooden man. Um, there's some romantic kindling. He's handsome. She notices his um, uncircumcised penis. It's mentioned that she, that she notices that in the book. Um, and there's a little bit of flirtation. Um, so this but, is like Game of Thrones is what you're saying. Exactly like Game of Thrones, but for teens, you know. <laughs> Game of Thrones teens. <laughs> Game of Thrones for teens is like everybody gets along and the kingdom runs very smoothly. And then like Tyrion solves mysteries Ex- with his exactly. friends or something. <laughs> with his like pet dog. Yeah. Okay. The hound. The yeah, hound. With his pet dog, the hound. There you go. With his pet dog, the hound, who is also an animorph. Oh, you saved me. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, so she's so she's like getting it getting it on with with Touchstone presumably. Well, no, they don't do that. Uh there's no, no getting it on. Um she and Touchstone there there's a little back and forth. Uh he can't remember where he's from. Uh something okay. magically is blocking him from remembering. Um so he's got a little quest there. He's got a little quest nice. as well. Uh, and he's he's the scarecrow character in this in this exactly. part of adventure. And he really doesn't want to talk either. He uh, feels very ashamed of whatever he did. He knew he did something very wrong. He refers to Sabriel the, uh, for much of the the beginning of the book as Miss or Ma'am or you know um, your like your Majesty almost like he's really treating her like she's uh, royalty compared to him. Um, the other amazing character in this book is Mogget, which is a little white cat um, that can talk, and it has a, a little. Uh, it has a red um, collar with a little version of one of her bells on it. Okay. Um, it's sassy. It uh, <laughs> it doesn't take no for an answer. Um, <laughs> it admits that it is not really a cat, and that but it's trapped in this form as a cat and it is uh, very annoyed that it has to help the Abhorsons. So it's been bound to help the Abhorsons. Uh, at one point there's uh, a moment where Sabriel is in a lot of trouble. She's going to die. Um, and, and he says, he's given her a little ring uh, to wear. And he says to her, take off my collar. Just remember you have the ring. Um, so she takes off his collar, and he becomes a molten lava, like elemental f- force of destruction. Okay. Um, like that monster from the from the old um, the Marines commercials. Yes, exactly. Yes, from the yeah. Crossfire commercials that were basically just Marines. No, not even the Crossfire commercials. Like the one for the Marines, where you literally had to fight a lava monster to get into the Marines. Yeah. Do you not remember this? No, I I think I know what you're talking about. Okay, where it's like to, a you shall not pass this. moment with him and this lava monster. It's not even. It's just they like, like hit the sword. They hit the monster with the sword, and then they're in the Marines. The few. That's your final test. The proud. The Abhorson. Yes. Yeah. A lot of tax dollars spent on those lava monsters. I tell you that much. Yeah. So she, you know, this thing is going to kill. It saves her because it's so powerful, but then it immediately tries to eat her. Um, and she has to put the, the ring on her finger uh, begins to grow um, until it's a large hoop that she's able to put around its neck. Um, and it then constricts again and turns him back into a cat and he vomits up the ring again. Oh, gross. Yeah. um and so there's this like tension where it definitely is this old creature um it knows a lot um and 
it's sort of her wise mentor, but it's in the form of a sassy white cat. So it's a really, really good character. I dig that. Yeah. Uh, the audio book of this I saw uh, is narrated by Tim Curry. Uh, oh, boy. So Wow. I, that must be something it else. It is amazing. I had to download it. Um, and I just listened to a couple of like choice uh choice scenes and his mogget is his sassy cat is uh, un, unparalleled i mean it's absurd it just sounds you know, like if I, if I was gonna have a casting call for a sassy cat i'd be looking for a tim, like, curry type, tim curry like right Can up we afford front him yeah he's basically just doing the voices for the rest of the book and the cat is just the cat is tim curry normal <laughs> yeah it's uh, very it's like very like Mm, you thought you knew Sabriel. You know, it's like very. <laughs> that's my Tim Curry doing Moggit. That's good. pretty good. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah. Uh, I get. We should probably wrap a little bit. Yeah. Soon. Sure. Um. But was, were there anything that kind of came up in, the Sabriel book club that you had, or just as you're kind of thinking about, how this fits into the larger, world of these books. You know, like, did it, had anybody in the club read other books in the series? Uh, yeah, Blair had read, my girlfriend had read um, the, the sequel uh, mm-hmm. to this. Um, and the, it came out uh, pretty far after this book. Okay. Um, and I haven't read it yet. Uh, I'm under the impression that, it's, that this book kind of ties up its own loose ends. And the, the second book, I believe, uh, stars Sabriel's daughter. Okay. Um, so it's really skips ahead. Um, it's the girl meets world. Exactly. This. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, other things that stood out, um, definitely this is a really, really fully realized world. Um, it does a really good job. Like, uh, my favorite genre book, um, is Dune. Um, yeah. and what I love right, about, which we read, we read for episode, God, I don't even remember. It was a long time. It was long really time early. Yes. We yeah. did. We did read it for the show. Yeah. Um, and what I love about that is that it, it doesn't, um, it doesn't bother. It doesn't feel too bothered explaining things to you. Um, and Sabriel does the same thing. Here's a world. It's not nearly as complicated as that, but here's a world. And it's, uh, it's okay if you don't know exactly what's going on. Um, yeah, I was that, gonna say I was I was reading trying to like bone up for the conversation online, and the couple uh, pages I saw on what the magic system were, I got a headache. Like I didn't right. get it. And, and I was looking it, at that. I was looking at that too, like recaps of the book, and and all these recaps that I see, especially like on Wikipedia and things like that, um, they are recapping Sabriel with what must be information from later books. Oh, okay. Because you don't get the whole story about what exactly charter magic is or what exactly the bells do. You know, we don't see every bell of all of the bells on her bandolier in action. Um, Interesting. Okay. And so you're getting this slice of the story and the slice of the magic system. And it's all really uh, natural and kind of flows naturally. Yeah. I mean, the thing, the thing that struck me about the synopses is it's, it's one of those, books where the synopses are being given and like the language that the book uses. So like every third word you just don't even understand because it's some made up noun right. for, for something. Um, but yeah, we, we got into that a bit with like foundation and with the sparrow is um, like sometimes the books that build the best worlds don't do that info dumpy stuff. Like they just let you kind of figure it out from context clues well, and it sounds like this book sort of is do, is doing that thing too. Star Wars that. is the classic example, right? Where like you had a really tight narrative that focused on a small band of characters that implied this like ginormous conflict, and it's just been you know fleshed out and fleshed out and fleshed out for decades to right. many people's enjoyment and collective chagrins, depending on <laughs> who the author was. But yeah, if you, I mean, if you, even if you go back to the first one and just consider that one movie by itself, yeah, it does give the impression of a much wider world than actually exists in that individual movie. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, and and Sabriel isn't afraid to dump some info on you. 
um, because you are ostensibly a teenager or a mm-hmm. early teen reading this book. Um, but at no point do I feel did I feel talked down to with this book, um, and at no point did I feel that it took death lightly, uh, which is really yeah. interesting. And 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 death also wasn't really a bad thing in this book which is really interesting. It was sort of a part of life in a way that I haven't read before. Interesting. Yeah, I found, uh, regarding info dumps, when I read uh, Chabin's uh, Summerlands like several episodes ago, I was impressed by that as well. As the I think for a younger audience, the romance of, this, of just the world itself can be an enjoyable reading experience that maybe as we get older, we're a little less patient with like the ability to just kind of fill a kid's head with a whole bunch of jargon and imagined exciting circumstances is sometimes enough um and so they're you know yes they want to know what happens next but they also their brains are just sponges and are ready for whatever you know magic system you just invented and they'll learn all the rules and memorize all the rules and have a good time I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, I'm not 10. I don't know. But. Yeah, this definitely <laughs> invites the reader to just sort of hang out in this world with this character, for sure. Cool. I think that's it. Andrew, do you think, is that it? Yeah, I think, I think that's it. I mean, th- is there just any other big thing that you didn't get to talk about that you really wanted to, to touch on? Or, or have we kind of gotten to most of the stuff? I think we've gotten to most of the stuff. Um uh, you know, the biggest thing for me with this book was uh, was just getting to spend, uh, because there are only three characters, getting to spend so much time with them that they all feel um, so much, so much more developed than your average adventure story. Uh, that mm. was really interesting. Yeah. Like, the, it's not just that they have their one quality that you can latch on to when the chapter flips back to their perspective or anything like right that. yeah 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 right it's interesting or like that default thing that like they they do have deeper characters but then if there's just like a scene that they're in there's like the one thing that defines right. them happens there was um like in the in the book of three series the there's like a bard or something who has a harp that like its strings snap every time he lies or something <laughs> Okay. Oh my god. And so the book just goes way out of his way to let him tell little <laughs> stupid white lies just so that one thing can happen. And he's like a better character than that, but it does yeah, it does lean on that or, a lot. Or it's so, like how yeah. in Ocean's 11 Brad Pitt's always eating. It's just it's, you know. It is like in Ocean's 11. It is just I was hoping like we would bring up the Ocean's 11 conundrum while we were talking about it. It's not movie. a conundrum. He's just always eating. Always. He's hungry. I don't know. I feel like that that's art imitating life. <laughs> We're all always eating. Well, if you're eating right now, you the listener, <laughs> and you want to tell us about it, you should email in to overduepod at gmail.com. You can also tweet pics of your food uh, to twitter.com slash overduepod uh, or share like cool recipes on our Facebook wall at facebook.com slash overdue pod. Uh, Andrew, if they wanted to find us somewhere else on the internet in between bites of their like quinoa or big Macs, like yeah, quinoa or big Macs. (laughs) I was trying to, trying to get a wide spectrum. I guess you could go to overduepodcast.com with your Whoppers Jr. And um, you you could look at the iTunes or Stitchers link link for the shows. Um, you could use either of those to subscribe. We also have an RSS link. We have Amazon links to the books that we have, right? The ones that we're going to read that you can click and use if you want to buy these. Um, we've also got a link to our Patreon page. We've talked about a few times before. Um, that's the project you can use to um, fund our little venture, um, help us like get to a point where we can make bonus episodes, do more stuff with the show. Um, just pay like a, like whatever you feel like you can afford per month. And that helps us pay for hosting and all the other, you know, podcasty stuff that, that we have to pay for to make the show happen. Yeah. And help um, us Craig, anything else. No, it, it, it helps us reach more people and it, and it helps us, uh, just carve out time for the show to make the best show that we can make. So, uh, to everyone who has already, supported the show thank you very much 
Yes, it's really great. Um, so I think I think that's it, everybody. Jaco, thanks so much for for coming and being on the show. Oh, it's thanks great for to having have you me back again. Anytime. We'll have to do it again in another year and a half, I think. <laughs> Perfect. That sounds about yeah. right. Uh, and let us know when you write your sewer kid mysteries, and we'll. Uh, You'll read it on the show. That'd be great. I mean, why not? I I mean, I think it's going to be the new boxcar children. The sewer (laughs) kids. Sewer great mysteries. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening. Um, We will be back next week. And until then, everyone try to be happy. Bye.